After the Virus, Episode 15. The lovely set of meadows where most of the action takes place in episodes 12 through 15 are part of the Child's Meadows complex on the southern flank of Mount Lassen. Not only does Mill Creek flow through the bucolic setting, but two significant hot springs, Morgan Hot Springs and Growler Hot Springs, as well as numerous bubblers, are found there. Much of the meadows are privately owned, like the site of the cabin in the story, but parts of the meadow can be hiked and explored and are indeed home to blue grouse, wild turkeys, and in summer, sandhill cranes. As episode 14 came to a close, Will had alerted Hope to the presence of another human heading their way. September 25th. I woke up to Will shaking me. Get up! He's on this side of the creek! I jumped to alertness, grabbed a few things, mostly weapons, and we climbed the slope above the cave again, to see where he was and what he was doing. Will had heard the jeep drive down to the creek, then could hear the sloshing of the current against a moving object as the man waded across the water. We sat vigilant for a long time, seeing and hearing nothing. After about two hours, I caught movement half a mile away, at the base of the slope we were on. It was the man, and he was working his way towards us. He poked his head and his rifle into every cluster of rock along the base of the cliff. At this rate, he was bound to eventually get to our cave. Let's get into position so that we have him covered from two sides if he finds the cave, Will said. So he scrambled into position, Will with the rifle and me with my bow. I became more and more anxious as the man drew nearer. When he was adjacent to our hiding place, he became suddenly animated and brought his gun up in preparation for looking inside. Just then, Will yelled, Drop the gun and we won't shoot you! The man took a step back, searching the hillside above him, but we were both well hidden. And when he didn't drop the gun, Will fired a shot into the ground next to him. A bold move by Will considering how difficult it would be for him to cock the lever for a second shot. This convinced the man to drop the rifle. You took my food! I want it back! He yelled towards the hillside. Lie down on your stomach, hands behind your back, and we'll talk! Will shouted back. The man did as he was told. Will took the opportunity to grip the rifle between his knees and chamber another round, while I kept my arrow knocked in full draw at the man. We worked our way down the hill towards him, as he craned his neck to get a look at us. A one-armed man and a girl. Well, I'll be fucked. He spewed. We had prepared for this moment. Now that we had him, we had no idea what to do with him. Holding up his index finger, Will said, Stay still while we talk it out. Then motioned me over to him to talk. What do we do with him? Will asked. Find out what he knows, I suggested. So that's what we did. Will took the man's rifle and checked him for other weapons, which included a forty-five revolver and a hunting knife. We moved about ten feet away and allowed the man to sit up. All the time he seemed to alternate between curiosity and anger. You stole my things. I just want them back. That's all. The man barked. We'll see, said Will. First you need to answer some questions. You're not afraid of us touching you? 
I'm VNC. I can't get it. You must be too. Is the cabin yours? Not originally. I inherited it early on in the pandemic. Then why are you claiming that the food is yours? Because I acquired it before you robbed it. And the owners are all dead, replied the man. How do you know that? Because everybody's dead almost. And I know some people who knew them, the man said. Know some people? So there are others? No. I don't believe you. Where are the others? When the man clammed up, Will calmly put the rifle barrel against the back of the man's skull. Others? Will demanded. Yes, there were others. I don't know if they're still alive. We were in a camp up on the mountain. A camp? Yes. A number of us moved up together, thinking most of the diseases were less lethal in the cold at higher elevation. And there was a rumor that the militia was working its way up the highway, eradicating remaining survivalists. The militia or military, their families, and others that quarantined on the bases are hoping to eliminate all VNC on the continent. But when the animals got sick, I came back down here because I knew there was still some food left at the cabin. I was only going to grab what was left and head back up to the mountains, but because you took it, I had to try and track you down to get it back. What makes you think the military are on their way here? A man walked into camp two weeks ago, waving a white flag. He was a Marine, or ex-Marine, sent ahead as part of an advance team. When members of his team had committed atrocities on a family they found near Manton, he deserted and fled towards Mount Lassen, where he stumbled upon our camp. He told us that this militia had plans to rout out all the remaining survivalists in the mountain valleys. Unfortunately, the Marine was not VNC and contracted the virus, perhaps from us. He died within days. We were sobered by the speed with which our kind could inflict death upon others. So there's the story. Do I get my food back now? Will held up a finger for him to wait and came back over to talk with me. We both agreed that we would give the man one-third of what we had left from the cabin supplies, plus one-third of any remaining dried meat we had. Half! The man demanded. Will laughed. You're not only in no position to bargain. The food wasn't yours to begin with. You inherited it from the cabin owners just like we inherited it from you. I'm already down 40 pounds, and winter's coming. Cry me a river. We're nothing but sacks of bones ourselves, said Will. Will came to talk to me again. We agreed. In addition to splitting the food into thirds, we'll team up with you. We'll help you hunt and split everything we get equally. If the militia's heading this way, we'll all need help. Take it or leave it. The man grumbled and puffed and finally said, Name's Tom. Partners. We spent the rest of the day preparing to move further up the mountain, possibly to where Tom had been camping, share dinner, and camp with Tom. Although we barely knew him, he feels trustworthy, not like Dusty and Billy. Nevertheless, Will sleeps with one eye on him all night and positions me as far away as possible. September 26th. Will and I traveled to the cabin with Tom. He retrieved the jeep and parked it under the lean-to. Roads are too dangerous with the military coming. We agreed. Tom had brought a large pack with him down from the mountain camp. He packed it with supplies, and the three of us took off on foot up Mill Creek. After a long day of walking, 
we made it to Mill Creek Falls in what had once been Lassen Volcanic National Park, where we spent the night. September 27th. Took the Sulphur Creek Fork above the falls. Slow going as no good trails exist beyond this point. We made it to the Bumpus Hell Mud Pots, where nearby we found a pool cool enough to soak our feet without scalding them. September 28th. A dark day. Left the creek and traveled across rugged country to King's Creek. Here, Tom led us to the site of his former camp. As used to blood and death as I've become, I was unprepared for the scene. Bodies were scattered everywhere you looked, mixed with trash, clothing, tarps, tents, and other debris. The corpses had been viciously dismembered, some with severed limbs, others with ragged, open wounds and crushed skulls. Tom buried his head in his sleeve as he tried to suppress his emotions. These people, they were my surrogate family. After my real family... He trailed off without finishing his sentence. Among the dead were a few deformed individuals with oddly shaped heads. Zeke's! cried Tom, gesturing towards one body with a particularly misshapen skull. When he saw that, we had no idea what he was talking about. He explained. Zeke's was a derogatory term used for those born to mothers infected with the Zika virus. Back in 2015 and 2016, the few who lived to adulthood were known to exhibit serious brain abnormalities. Many had spent their entire lives institutionalized. As they matured, they often became violent. According to Tom, all Zeke's were VNC, and with the collapse caused by the virus... They escaped from the mental facilities where they had been kept and formed dangerous gangs. When all other sources of food had run out, they had turned to cannibalism and were feared by all other survivalists. Apparently, they had found and attacked Tom's camp on the mountain, killing everyone Tom had known there. As it had been less than a week since Tom was last in the camp, it was clear that this carnage was very recent so we scanned our surroundings carefully for any signs of remaining Zeke's. Seeing none, Tom warned that we should put as much distance as we could between us and the cannibals. We found King's Creek downstream until we came to a series of small meadows at dusk. Here we ate and camped. September 29th. Will shook me awake, then put his fingers to his lips to hush me and pointed for me to listen. Although it was still half-light, I could hear strange voices in the distance. I could not make out words, only sounds like a foreign language. Will, Tom, and I crept to higher ground to gain a view of the speakers. We could only catch glimpses of a band of people walking between the trees a quarter mile away. When finally they came to an open spot, the view was eerie. Five individuals dressed in mismatched, ill-fitting clothing, and decorated with jewelry and scarves, tottered single file as though intoxicated. Their sing-songy yammering only reinforced the appearance of drunkenness, but their strangest feature was their heads. 
undersized with foreheads that slope to a rounded point and flat in the back. At first, we were relieved that they seemed to be passing us by, but when they came to the meadow that we crossed, they stopped abruptly, made some hooting noises and dropped their hands and knees. It wasn't until they lowered their heads to the ground that we understood what they were doing. They had picked up our scent and were sniffing out our trail. Their vocalizations became short and excited. Will, Tom, and I looked at each other questioningly. Then Tom asked, Do we shoot him or run? Will replied, We don't know how many others there may be around or how they may be armed. Let's get the hell out of here. Heading east, we eventually hit Hot Springs Creek. Will made us follow the bank upstream a while to throw them off. Then we entered the creek and made our way downstream with all the speed possible. Eventually, we came to an open, steaming meadow with an old lodge, some guest cabins, and a pool. Assuming that our pursuers were moving somewhat slower and had been temporarily distracted by Will's trick, we decided to investigate the lodge for anything salvageable. Throwing rocks at the building, it appeared no one was inside, so we approached cautiously. The doors had been broken, and the interior had been ransacked. There was no food or usable supplies to be found inside. But Tom, who had known the place before the virus, recalled something like a root cellar. Hidden under the raised veranda, we found a locked hatch. Tom broke off the lock and we crawled inside to have a look. To our amazement, the ten by ten space was crammed with canned goods. Veggies, meats, fruits, juices, and more. Five-gallon jugs of water, gas, propane canisters. We were giddy with the unexpected abundance of food. But now that we had found it, how would we guard it? We decided to start hiding some of the food elsewhere immediately. The lodge was a big, obvious target for anyone in the area. And it was surely only a matter of time before someone else stumbled onto this hoard. We got right to work. Will found a wheelbarrow outside and we filled it, along with overstuffing our packs with cans. We then wheeled it through the shallow creek for a half mile downstream to where a smaller stream intersected it. Turning up the small creek, we traveled a couple hundred yards before spotting a large, standing, burned-out pine trunk on the right bank. Standing on Will's shoulders, I was able to peer down into it and discovered that the top four feet was hollowed out by past fire. Will and Tom thought that this was a great place to hide our treasure, and Tom handed each can up to me so that I could drop it into the hollow. When we were done, we headed back to the lodge for more. We had just re-entered the cellar when we heard it. A weird chorus of nonsensical sounds. They were coming. We could either shoot our way out or hunker down and hope they kept going. We decided to shut ourselves in and wait them out. September 30th. It was a sleepless night as the Zeeks rummaged around above our heads until the wee hours. Sometimes the stomping footsteps seemed purposeful, other times like an uncontrolled dance. The noise finally faded about 4 a.m., so we were able to doze off and on in the early morning. It was hard to stay still and silent, but we did so until we heard them start to stir about midday. 
We heard them stomp down the stairs, and we were able to see them through the gaps in the siding. There were about a dozen of them. Filthy, clothing in rags, with hideously deformed faces and misshapen skulls. As quickly as they had run outside, they trotted back up the stairs into the house. With our faces close together, we whispered our options. Will thought we should hold off until their next trip outside and shoot all of them. Tom thought it safer to wait them out. I voted to sneak out into the woods while they were preoccupied. We decided to wait a little longer in the hope that they wander off sometime soon. Suddenly, it began sounding as though they were tearing down the building. We could hear boards creaking as they were torn off the wall. Then, without warning, they began ripping out the flooring above our heads. When they managed to break through a floorboard, we knew we had to act quickly. Thanks again for the pleasure of your company. Don't forget to order your own copy of the ebook or paperback at Amazon.com.